Now introducing the Minor Wisdom Trio! Minor Wisdom! This is a a Minor Wisdom first. I have Amy Arlett on this week and I had Amy Adina on last week. So two Amys in a row, two different Amys, two completely different Amys. You'll find that out in a minute once you listen. Uh, I do want to mention... Mentioned? I do want to mention... Well, first of all, happy 4th of July to those of you who celebrate. Yeah, yeah, Freedom Fries, yeah. Uh, there's the uh, there's the cutoff there. But uh, I do want to mention some things that Amy talks about um, in the interview, and that is, number one, the show Texas. So only, you know, I, I was about to say only a, a state like Texas would have a show named after it, but um, then I uh, was reminded that there's a, a show, a smaller show, not well known, named Oklahoma, and they they have a show named after them. Anyway, uh, but uh, this show Texas up in Palo Duro Canyon uh, is a massive, massive show. It's like like they do it a lot, and it's like there's horses, there are horses, and there there I believe there's like pyrotechnics and fireworks and all kinds of stuff, but which uh, is the same thing. But anyway, so it's a big, big show. I've never seen it. I do want to go see it. But my band director, who I used to work with at Dulles, uh, Joe Pruitt, like swore by it. Went has probably been to it three or four times within the past 10 years. And every time he would go, he'd come back and show us pictures. And consistently, it's the same show, I believe, for the most part. So the pictures all look kind of the same, but uh, if you've never been, I would encourage you to go, and I'm going to take my own advice and go at some point soon. I'd really like to go see it. Um, the other thing she talks about is the Shiner Gaslight Theater, which I'm going to leave a, a, a link in the description of this podcast so that you get some information on that and also the Texas show. So um, kind of a, a small announcement here. I'm going to be changing things. I, I am... Uh, a little, you know, I, I got burned out at, excuse me, I just burped. And that's what you do. That's what, that's what happens when you have a slice of ch- cheese pizza, or as my, one of my daughters says, Chez, uh, pizza as your breakfast. But anyway, uh, I am going to reformat some things a little bit, maybe not reformat so much as just kind of not do a week to week episode. And uh, I've talked to some people, some people I trust very much with their opinions, and uh, they pretty much said, you suck at this podcast thing, you should quit. No, they didn't say that, but they, they gave me some suggestions, and uh, I think I'm going to take some of their suggestions, but I'm just, the week-to-week thing is is tough. I know you might be thinking, how is it tough? How Like you sit at a microphone and you talk, right? And I would love nothing more. My dad was in radio and that's the career that I wish I had was a radio career, but a, it doesn't pay very much. And B, you have to like start at the really, 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 really bottom at some like ham radio or something like that, uh, to get noticed. But I would love to talk for a living. I think those people that know me well know that I, I can do that. But, um, I, I'm, I'm kind of this format of the podcast has got to either change or adjust or adapt or something because I get very bored and I got bored at 150 and then 
that damn uh, Rashunda Jones Kumba won a dang Tony Award a year ago, and I thought I got to get her on the podcast, and and then I did another year, right? And here we are. So um, so I'm gonna change some things. I might. I, I've got four episodes in the can. This is episode one of those four. So I've got Amy, Randy, Shelby, and Jerry, uh, all in the can, and. I'm going to do those four weeks and then I'm going to see what happens from there. So, uh, just so you know, uh, and I'll mention it again for the, for the other intros, but you know, it does get expensive to do a podcast. It does get, uh, exhausting. You know, you think about, I've done over 200 of these and at an hour apiece, at least for most of them, uh, even though the, the, the final episode is not necessarily an hour, but the time I spend with the people is an hour and I love spending time with the people. I, that's the part that I adore, uh, that I really, really enjoy. But if you think about how much time I've put in for zero money, um, my time is valuable and it's getting more valuable as I try new things. Uh, you might've seen Mel Edwards, if you are friends with her or, or on the tech theater educator page, the one that we created for Texas teachers so that it's not as pretentious and mean like the technical theater educator pages or can be. Uh, but Mel posted a graphic with myself and Chuck and herself uh, to say, hey, we're around if you need help. It's not something that we're trying to like hustle, right? Um, but if you ever need help with something and the emails on there, I know I made a joke on my own post about, you know, Ghostbusters call, whatever. Uh, if you ever need help, just reach out. Um, I've already had a couple people over the past couple weeks reach out to me asking questions. And I have like my new job with Covenant is going to be doing just that. Uh, now, mind you, I'd love for you to buy stuff, but uh, the whole customer service part is the is really the important part. That's the focus and uh, hoping that 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 is something that people take advantage of uh, around the state of Texas uh, and maybe even beyond. I'm going to burp again. Hold on. Uh, all right yeah that's a that's that's that cheese pizza talking that breakfast pizza mm, delicious anyway uh i'm off i'm off a on a tangent uh the last thing i want to mention is ava had her uh sort of her real acting debut she had been in a couple shows that jennifer produced at her school she was whatever that dog's name is in peter pan whatever the thing is uh she was also apparently she was in a christmas show that i do not remember at all um but she said she was and um no no jewish daughter of mine <laughs> anyway but uh she is in shrek jr for a summer camp they did a two-week summer camp at class act theater and put on a spectacular uh, like like a real like uh what, I don't know what the, what the English I'm trying to say, but a, a really great production, like one that you would think took weeks and weeks and weeks, but uh, she is pig one, and she has embraced the pig. Uh, she, as in her own words, not, not me, she's the dumb pig because she's the one that built her house out of straw and thought that that would work against that mean old wolf. So, uh, But she is hamming it up. That's right, pun intended. Uh, she is hamming it up on stage, and it is just you know it literally brings a tear to my eye uh, when I watch her uh, perform it's just so much fun it's very very fun and hopefully she continues to do it but 
Speaking of continuing to do it, I'm not uh, this podcast, but uh, I hope you guys enjoy this week's interview with another Amy. Lots of Amys. I've had, let's see, Amy Jordan, uh, Amy Arlett, obviously, Amy Medina, uh, Amy Steele Wernig. I feel like I had another Amy in there somewhere, but uh, lots of Amys. That seems to be, it should be the, the Minor Wisdom podcast starring an Amy. Enjoy this week. Happy 4th of July. Pew, 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 pew. Uh, don't do fireworks. Dogs hate it. Also, I kind of hate it. All right. Have fun. Bye. Love you, Bobby. I really didn't have a huge theater upbringing. My parents uh, were be- very big into science and history. And so all of our vacations and TV shows were mostly around history and, and um science and but one thing i did on on our one of our vacations on our way to colorado we stopped at paladora canyon and we saw the show texas there and i loved it and i think i loved it everyone enjoyed it obviously but i just loved it loved it and um it stuck with me and i have since as an adult gone back and have uh seen it three or four times and i live on the opposite side of texas which is it's not an easy track to get there, um, but I've taken all my kids to see it. it. It was a really an impressionable thing on me when I was a youth. Um, lived a small town, Texas. Didn't have a lot of theater either. Uh, we, I was in the little. I went to a Catholic school through eighth grade, so I had my little nativity play in first grade, and then I got to be Mary. Didn't have a clue. Obviously, I was. Six, five years old, six years old at the time. Then we had a third grade play. And then our eighth grade year, we did another school-wide nativity. And that's when I really, that was the first time I think I was performing in front of people where I knew what I was doing and was aware of the fact that it was performance. And I loved it as well. So uh, get to high school and we go to the this small town, we go to the public high school, then the uh, Catholic school and ran through eighth grade. And that's where one act play was. And so that I got into one act play, but I honestly only did it one year. And it's an odd story wise, because I graduated from Yoakum high school, which during the late eighties and early nineties had a huge girls golf program. We won state like five times in a row and overall we won it like nine to ten times and I was in that heart of it so golf we were up to here in golf me both my sisters my cousins my best friends um we were in marching band and the Monday after the football team lost their last game whether it was regular season or playoffs we started golf and we would do golf till 7 30 at night and so I I kind of went away from one act play, went away from theater because we were so immersed in golf, which was a great thing. I do not regret it one bit. My best memories were me and my friends out on the driving range. Um, And there's days when I would give anything to be able to go back for one afternoon just to hang out with my friends on the driving range. It was, it was wonderful. But um, then once high school was over, I got into, um, the Shiner Gaslight Theater, which is a local, right down the road, um, a local, it was an old opera house many years ago. It was one of the first major organizations built by the settlers in this area um, when the Yoakum, Greater Yoakum Shiner Molten area was established. And 
it has an incredible community theater, dinner theater there. And so I started getting involved with that. Um, and years when I was pregnant, I wasn't in shows and I served tea and worked at the house and took tickets, you know, and then I was in a couple of plays here and there when I wasn't pregnant or raising small children or whatever it might be. Um, so that's kind of just, I, I didn't have an extensive theater background growing up. Um, I knew I liked it. I enjoyed it, but it just, there weren't too many opportunities, uh, where I live to, to get into theater a lot. So once, um, my husband and I, we moved, he's a coach. My husband is a high school football, basketball coach. And then he also does track or baseball or whatever else they need him to. So he had a job opportunity in Blanco, uh, which is a small town, a little bit West of Austin and dripping. And he, so we moved out there and I was hired to teach, um, eighth grade reading or eighth grade English, and then do middle school theater. I had a couple of middle school theater classes and then the middle school one at play. And that's really where my educational theater journey took off. I knew nothing of nothing of nothing. I only did one at play in high school one year. Um, and I, I was a freshman or a sophomore. I can't remember. So I had zero decision-making, you know, opportunities that I just did what they told me to do. I knew, I knew nothing about directing shows. It was just seriously throw me in the deep end of the pool and say, swim, damn it. And, um, I, I loved it. I actually turned out I wasn't terrible at it. Um, I got quite a few compliments our first uh, first competitive year or my first year there. We went to middle school when I play district. It was it was it's a big thing in Blanco is is the high school and middle school academics. And, and when I play, obviously, is a big part of that. So they were very much counting on our points. And I was just so I was steamrolled. I had no idea this was that big a thing in middle school. And I felt completely overwhelmed, but we ended up getting second place that first year and kind of, kind of just clicked with me and I enjoyed it and loved, I loved it. And from then on, I kind of just spun off a really, really great middle school program there at, at Blanco. And we ended up winning the district championship, at least for one act play seven years in a row. Um, I had a couple of second place in there, but I had like five first place in a row. And so I, I think I'd, I'd found my niche. I found where I was comfortable. This was great. And then, um, eventually we were in Blanco for a dozen years and the high school theater, uh, Tony Vela, what a great guy. He passed away a few years ago, but he was something else. He was the high school one act play director at Blanco. And <laughs> He eventually retired, but that man is a legend in his own right. You can ask Jackie Manius or Vance Sarlo or some of the guys who competed against him. Tony was going to do things Tony's way. And one year he did not agree with the judge's decision. So he said, screw it. And he did the same play the next year, pretty much with all the same people. And that's how Tony was. And so he, I don't know. He's, he, he was a wonderful man. We got to know him very well. His grandsons played basketball and football with my husband. Of course, it's a very small town. It was 2A. So we lived 
fairly near each other. We all work together. I love Tony, love Tony to death. Um, but he was, he was, he, he did his own thing his own way. He would decide he needed a smoke break. So he would just walk to the edge of the parking lot and step off. He, he called it stepping off the curb and would stand in the middle of the street and smoke right, right there and be yelling instructions at the kids to practice, and, you know, in the lawn or whatever. He was a, he was a character. I love Tony, but he was the one that really kind of started guiding me on rules and regulations and tricks of the trade and, and that kind of stuff. Um, so eventually I was moved up to do one at play at the high school as well as the middle school. So I split my day between the two campuses. And uh, again, loved it and enjoyed it and had some pretty good success. Um, I was in a district with Lago Vista and Randolph, and those two made it to state almost every year. So I there's there's that measurement of oh, I'm not I'm not advancing I'm not advancing, but now, 15 years later, 12 years later, I look back. I think my shows were so good because my competition was so good. It's you play to your competition, obviously. And there are days right now I would be like, man, I wish I had that cast and that show right now because we would walk through whatever. But I, I just had some of the toughest competition in the state. Just trying to get out of district and by district was tough. Um, I'm good friends with, with Elizabeth and Vance both. And, uh, love their shows and the Vance would be the first turn around and tell me, Amy, you got screwed again. And I was like, I don't know, it, you know, it's okay. Uh, so then eventually my husband and I moved back down to the greater Yoakum, Quero, Shiner area. Um, my, my, I was born and raised here and my parents are getting older and we wanted our children to spend more time with family and, and my parents especially. And so, um, Moved down here. He worked in Edna for a while, and now he's in Shiner. And I got on at Quero and have been now in Quero for seven years, I guess. it's. Let me see. Seven going into eight years, maybe eight years now. I don't know. Something like that. And I, and I love it. Um, lots of great kids. They had almost zero one-act play program when I moved here. And I've worked very hard to try and build it up a little bit and get some traction going. Um, and, and Quero, as you might know, is huge in athletics, big football, big sports town. And so trying to get theater really going here has been has been a challenge. However, we, we I, you know, slowly it's been slow progress. COVID really knocked our program back to nothing, which I'm sure it did for everyone. So that but everyone pulled back the year after COVID I had, I think five kids total and begged a couple of kids just who I knew were good kids in school to come and do some lights and sound for me. Um, so kind of felt like I was starting over after COVID again, the year before COVID, I actually graduated 13 seniors had an, inc or the year of COVID, I should say. We never, that year, 2020, we were doing over the tavern and I had 13 seniors and it was just a fantastic show. Um, and we never even got to go to district. We were shut down that Saturday and district was Monday, Tuesday. So graduated everyone out of the system, really kind of rock bottomed and cleaned out the program. Nobody was left. Nobody wanted to do it. 
So I felt like I've been starting over since 2021, um, but had a great year this last year. Um, oh gosh, I had more kids than I could legally use per UIL in, in my, you know, come out for one act play. Had a lot of crazy things happen. Um, ended up on my fourth alternate for, for characters, a lot of kids for different reasons. And, and it was all, it was really a crazy year. I, I can't even begin to enumerate all the silly stuff that happened, but ended up on our fourth alternate. So I'm glad a lot of extra people came out the original for the original meeting because I, you all got a part. Everyone got a part this year, whether you want it one or not, you got a part. Uh, yeah. I was pulling tech kids. I was like, Oh my gosh, we're just bleeding numbers. But it was, it was silly things that really couldn't have been avoided um, is why I, I was losing kids this year. But we ended up making it all the way to area against a very, very tough uh, by district and area. I think uh, we had area at New Braunfels Canyon. Carter Ridge was our contest manager, and she called it on Facebook mini state. Uh, we went up against Canyon Lake, who ended up, well, they end up second this at state this year. And then Bay City, who got third. They were both in my area. Uh, Canyon Lake's actually in my by district. And so it was tough competition. But we were right up there. We were right in there with some of the biggest names in the state. And I'm very proud of that. Um, feel like it was a big boost for my program. Got a lot of buzz at school. A lot of kids coming to see our show. We did The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, which was a fun show. Big ensemble play and, and lots of people involved and lots of special effects, lots of tech. So I, I think we got the buzz out there a little bit more and, and hopefully we'll have another, you know, another great year of big numbers for this, for this next year. Now I know I've been talking a whole lot about one act play and there's lots of other theater out there in Texas, but that was kind of the only theater I was really exposed to growing up in one of these small Texas towns. And, um, even after met and married, I've always lived in a town that was either a three A or a two A, and so it, I, I, that's what it was. That was that's the theater that we're around is high school when I play, and these these two A three A even I'm at Quero, which is a four A, but it's a very small four A. It's a farming community four A where our numbers are only pulled up because we're pulling in these little small country schools, you know, to, to feed into Quero, we're really should be more of a three A. These kids are pulled a thousand different directions. I, on my cast, I have cheerleaders, volleyball players, basketball players. I have uh, baseball players, softball players, weightlifting, every student council, national honor society. These kids have a thousand things to do. And um, so really trying to expand the program a whole lot past one act play is difficult because they just don't have the time. They just flat out don't have the time to do much more than UIL. That's kind of their life in, in high school or in middle school as well. Uh, here at Quero, I do junior high and high school. Um, so I'm at the high school doing theater in the morning and then I go to the junior high in the afternoon and I do, um, theater there. We do have a small, small one act play at the junior high where myself and my friend from Gonzalez, Lisa Beesing, 
we just kind of get together and, and do a little meet, if you will, a little miniature one act play contest between our kids. And we kind of follow, we, we follow UIL rules, but we're a lot more lenient. It's more about getting the kids involved and more about getting them familiar with the format and familiar with some of the rules and how things work. Um, it's more that than it is really a, a big competitive day. Um, but it helps, it helps the program. It helps feed the program up into high school to have these kids who at least have an inkling of what it's about and whether they would be interested in doing this later or not. So that helps. Um, let's see what else. Since then I do like, I like to take my kids to the majestic in San Antonio and try and see, I take my own children quite often or my sisters or, you know, family, I usually get two tickets, but uh, there's been a few times where I've tried, I've tried to take classes and things and, and I want to expose them to bigger theater and more theater. Um, and so what little I can do, it might be a drop in the bucket, but these kids are so busy. You know, if, I, if I get them for a Sunday afternoon to take them to see Beauty and the Beast at the Majestic, then that's what we get. And I'm happy with it. Um, they enjoy it. They really do. And they're always asking if we can go to another, but it's a matter of finding the time to, to get everybody together to go. So uh, I always try and do that a little bit. Um, love to try and get a New York trip together, but again, that's, it's a money thing, but it's also a, a time thing for these small town kids. Um, let's see what else, anything Did, I'm, no, I, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> that's <laughs> what, the beauty, that's the beauty of it. Yeah. What, what are you leaving? Yeah. Uh, oh, I mean like, <laughs> like, are you lactose and tall? I mean, I don't know what, what else do you <laughs> <laughs> love to travel. I uh, travel and reading are my two big escapes hobbies uh, anywhere in the world you want to take me i'll go you yeah. want to go to nebraska for the weekend okay i don't care I, whatever it is i love seeing i love learning i've learned as an adult i love learning and so if you we wanted to trip you know take a random trip to chicago just for the weekend to go to some museum i'm game i don't yeah. care. i love traveling i love learning new things some of my favorite things to do when i travel is um find a tour of something that tells you how things are made or things are run like new Iberia where the Tabasco is made the Mickleheny Tabasco who would have thought that that's like one of my favorite pl I love that place I was like oh my gosh I can't believe this is how they make Tabasco at random I don't even I don't even like Tabasco but I loved learning about the process of how things are put together how things are made and maybe that's the director or the you know, the, the theater person in me is seeing where it starts to where it finishes. Um, I love behind the scenes. When we go to Walt Disney World, I will buy one of them super expensive tickets to find out how Walt Disney World is run behind the scenes. I love seeing the day-to-day -day stuff, how it's put together on a daily basis. Uh, one, I, again, I'm a big golfer. One of my dreams is to actually get tickets to Augusta uh, to, to watch the Masters. But I... I think I would be behind the scenes. I, I sit there and watch the masters and think, how do they get all of those pimento cheese sandwiches from where they make them to where they sell them without interrupting the golf tournament at all? It's, it's, it's the logistics of things that fascinate me, how things are made, how things are put together. And maybe that's kind of where I found 
my little niche as a director is taking something from an idea to a finished product and all the little baby steps that have to go in, in the middle between that things that people don't think about that kind of hold my fascination. How do I put A to B to C to D to finally get to, to a finished product? I like, I like that. Um, so there's that bit about me. <laughs> have you ever, have you ever been to the, um, uh, Boeing factory in Washington? No, I have, oh. no, I have not. It, oh, I bet I would love it though. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, it's things like that. Even, even museum. One time I was in Germany and I, the Deutsch museum in Munich and they had this, they showed the assembly line of how cars are put together. It, it wasn't even a car museum. It was just the Deutsch museum. And I sat there for, I don't know how long and went from step to step to step and just watched multiple times how they put those particular pieces of the car together. I, I it's anything like that. I'm fascinated with. I like kind of. I like that stuff. Uh, just so you know, there are tunnels at Augusta National. So uh, is that it? Well, is that I mean, it? yeah, okay. there there are few, but I, I, yeah. So that's. So it's like Disney World, where it it's a like whole Disney. city underneath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know cool. about. I don't know if it's as extreme as Disney. <laughs> yeah, right. No, Dis probably not. Disney is a whole another level. So, it is. Uh, uh, your mascot are the fighting. Not no G on it. Fighting gobblers. Gobblers, yes, gobblers. Um, Man, I think it's one of the coolest mascots in Texas. It looks cool. Uh, it is. And again, my husband's a football coach, so we we see a lot of mascots and a lot of teams. Yeah. And it's football is a big thing here in our, our in our in our house in our household. So, yeah. but the gobblers is very local, very unique, different. Uh, <laughs> Quero is famous for the, the Turkey Fest back in the early days, in the early 1900s. Um, there were a lot of turkey farms around here. And so a way to get the turkeys to slaughter was to round them all up. It was the turkey roundup and they would like a giant cattle drive, but it was with turkeys and, <laughs> and they were marched, if you will, from the little farms and things into town, into wow. downtown and loaded up on the rail cars and then shipped off north to, um, for, you know, butchering and processing and became the turkey trot, the turkey fest. Wow. And then, I mean, it was just part of the town's history. And then in the, I guess it was the forties and the fifties, they actually started a town festival, uh, to celebrate the history of the turkey trot and, it's that's where like it's held the second week in October and there's parades and flow, you know, per, uh, concerts and all this and that. They don't do it like that anymore. And actually they only, the, the, the Turkey drive really only lasted maybe 10, 15 years. It wasn't, you know, modern technology kind of moved on and they started trucking them and so on and so forth. But Turkeys are embedded around here, yeah. and so our I, school mascot is the gobbler now. Don't most people call that Thanksgiving? Like the whole... <laughs> right. <laughs> Load up all that's, the turkeys. Yeah. That's crazy. It's funny. It's just unique and different, and I think Virginia Tech are the Hokies, yeah. which is something similar to... I mean, it is a turkey, Yeah. but there really aren't any other gobblers out there as far as team mascots are concerned, and it's very local it's a it's a thing of pride and tradition around here. It's it's part of our history. It's not just a general tiger or you know right. panther or something like that. It's really really cool and different. And 
it's 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 a neat thing. I love it. I really do love it. I actually was born and raised just in the nearby town, Yoakum, right right down the road. And Quero and Yoakum were huge rivals growing up. And I was a Yoakum bulldog through and through. And uh, got quite a few comments about accepting a job at Quero. Um, now Quero is 4A, Yoakum is 3A. So the we don't really play. It, the competitiveness isn't there. We still play. Yoakum and Quero have, I think, one of the longest running rivalries in Texas high school football. I think we're close to 100 and maybe 15 years consecutive football games. And I think like Port Neches Grove might have one that's up there with us and someone else, but we are. I was going to say Midland, Midland, Odessa, that, that area. Midland, Odessa. Right. Um, Right. And so I got, you know, it's, it's kind of been funny transitioning from a bulldog to a gobbler, but it's all the same. It's all small town fun. You know, I know. And then my husband teaches and coaches at Shiner. So we've got all the little local towns represented around here. I love it. Love living in a small town. Um, I got my master's from Texas A&M commerce in theater. And one of the first questions I ran into afterwards, um, I was like, Oh, so you got your master's now, what are you going to do? You gonna move on to college. And I was, you know, teaching college. And I was like, no, I'm doing what I love doing. I love, living in a small town. I love, um, my husband and I both love teaching in small schools. We like raising our kids in the small town. This is what I'm doing. This is it. I don't need to have aspirations to be something fancier or bigger or better. This is where we are happy. This is, I wouldn't call it a lack of goals or a lack of wanting to better myself. I just, this is, this is it. And, and we're very, very happy here. We like, we like these small towns. We like living you know, I like living very much near where I was born and raised. Um, all of this is familiar. I know, you know, not everybody, but we know most of the people here. Uh, we can depend on people here. I know the patterns. It's it's comforting. And I'm we're happy to raise our kids in these small towns. So when, when did you go to Commerce? I that f- I was the first year, their inaugural year of doing their master's program okay. for um, ed- teaching and teaching theater. Oh, yep. gosh, I can't remember. I don't have my. Thank so, you. yeah, because I'm in that program right now. Are uh, you? Okay. I was the very first year. So that would have been 2017, 18, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Where we went, we went and face to face during summer and then did all online. Yeah. Fall and spring. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was the first graduating program. Yeah. Um, the, uh, so I had a couple questions about your, uh, time at, or seeing the, the show Texas, um, Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, my band director that I used to teach with, uh, Joe Pruitt at Dulles high school grew up in that area, uh, Marfa, oh, yeah. that, that type of area. But, um, oh, yeah. and he, he would swear by it. He went almost every year. I think he still goes mm-hmm. to go see the show. Uh, I have never been, um, but I've heard it's like a, just a, a massive show and, and beautiful and engaging and everything. So, uh, have you, you mentioned that you have gone back or was I making that up? Uh, no, I have. Okay. I've seen it, uh, I think four times, three or four okay. times now. Once was a, as a young child, uh, when my parents, we were on our way to Colorado and we stopped and that's when it really right. hooked me the first time. And, um, then I've, I've on our way to uh, other trips to Washington and things we've stopped a few times and I've, I've taken 
another time we went to New Mexico, we okay. stopped. So I think it's been three times. Um, horses. Oh, actually, one of the this is a little side story on it. The one of the times I saw it was one of the craziest incidents of weather. On the drive up there, my dad and I were, he was driving, I was navigating, this was pre-Google Maps day, and there was a huge storm coming through, and tornadoes were popping up everywhere. So we had the local weather station on, and they were saying, off of County Road, I don't know, 453 at the intersection of, you know, White Road, we have a tornado. And so I was sitting in the front seat with the map out and my dad was driving and we were navigating where all of these tornadoes were popping up as we were trying to get up to the Amarillo Canyon area. So we finally get there. We check into the hotel. We don't stay long because we want to go to the Canyon to do a little, you know, walking around and sightseeing before the show Texas starts. And the, the weather is still absolutely horrible. It isn't raining, but it, you, you know, the wind and it's just awful. You know, something big's coming. So we get into the canyon and we start doing just this little hike. It's just a little short trip around, I don't know, this creek area. And park rangers come and stop us and say, y'all got to leave. We're about to have a massive flash flood in this area. So we kind of pull back a little bit and walk back to the road, in this little pull-out parking lot area. And as we're kind of getting back into the, the van, boom, you can just see the creek just start rising up out of, it was crazy, one of those really crazy, weird flukes of nature i've never seen like a flood roll in like that and we were like whoa and the park rangers like yeah get in the van and go <laughs> we're like okay so we they weren't shutting the show down because this was in the lower parts of you know the canyon where this flash flood was so we pull back up to where the the theater actually is and um the show starts and it's gorgeous and I, as you said you haven't been there it's kind of a backdrop against this cap rock cliff wall and it's open seating and um at one point and i've seen the show several times and so there's there's they've they've changed it uh since i first started seeing it it's a little bit different story and obviously different or you know choreography and so on and so forth they've changed it a bit but in this particular one there's supposed to be lightning that strikes the top of the cap rock and they have this little special effect thing that goes off there and um they have horses and, and wagons and the whole, but it's just this great production. Well, about halfway through, we start. I start noticing that the horses are just not comfortable and they're jumping around and pawing around. And I kind of lean over to my mom. I'm like, look at the horses. They are disturbed by something. And she's like, I bet it's that weather. And sure enough, it starts raining just a little bit, just, you know, and then lightning starts streaking out of everywhere, all around us. It just hits like, like gangbusters right on top of us. And boom, lightning comes down and starts hitting the cap rock, the top of the cliff up there, and all hell breaks loose. <laughs> Everybody's like, out of the out of the theater, up out of the theater, get back underneath the awning, awning at the top. So all of the actors, horses, wagons, everything clears the stage. All of the audience moves back up into the, the back parts of the theater where there's um, some awning and over overhead stuff. It starts pouring down. My son at the time was maybe four or five years old. I pick him up and I'm holding him and the water is already up past my knees. The, the way the, the, the rain and the flooding was coming in. 
they start saying, okay, we've got to evacuate the canyon. And so they're, they're marching and directing the, cl- the crowds out to the parking lot. And I am slogging through knee-deep water, holding my son to get to the van. And, and, and the parking lot's on a little bit higher thing. So we get to the cars. We start pulling out. It's a long line of cars getting out of the, high, uh, out of the canyon. And they stop us because there's a major landslide. The, the waters and the lightning or whatever have completely loosed a bunch of rocks and they've come in and completely blocked the road. So we're stuck there. We can't go back because there's an entire line of cars behind us. We can't go forward because the road is blocked by rocks. So we just sit there and they finally, I, I don't know how long we sit there. It felt like eternity. They finally got some equipment in to move the rocks and, and shove a bit of the, the landslide to the side. And we kind of crept around it and got up at, back out on the, the highland out on the prairie and are heading back into town to our hotel. And the storm has not ceased at all. I mean, this is hours. And so it just sat on top of that part of Texas for, I don't know how long. So again, dad's driving and I'm in the front seat and it's late at night at this point. And super dark outside, but the lightning would flash and dad and I would scan the horizon for funnel clouds because they're the radio again is like there's funnel clouds, there's tornadoes. And he and I, it's too dark to really read real well where we are. And we're just trying to get back into town so we can get into the hotel and try and be safe. But every time the lightning would flash, we would scan the whole landscape for funnel clouds because we were terrified. We finally get back to the hotel get woken up in the middle of the night by a major hailstorm. It's hailing. I mean, it's so loud. It woke us up in the hotel. So we, it was a crazy 24 hours uh, from when we tried to start seeing that or started the journey to get up there to see the show, to actually try and finish the show, to get back and wake up the next morning in one piece. We had about every foul bit of weather you could have. But back to the original question. Yes, Texas. It's a great show. I think it's mostly run by uh, college students in the Amarillo Canyon area. Um, Incredible talent. Song and dance. It's a musical. Uh, But they use horses and wagons and, and, you know, they're able to pull out some of that that live element that you probably couldn't do in in an enclosed larger theater. Uh, Great show. Really was what hooked me on theater. I, I, Really hadn't seen a whole lot of theater at all, maybe at that point, except maybe my little first grade nativity scene play and, you know, just little small things. And that one got me. I was like, my word, this is, this is incredible. You know, it really struck me as mind blowing for, I was 10, 11 years old, I guess the first time I saw it somewhere in there. And I, again, hadn't seen a whole lot of theater up to that point. And that one really, really impressed me obviously for the rest of my life. I'm still stuck on it. And still, even though it's almost a nine, 10, 13 hour drive, depending, I guess, um, anytime we might be headed that area, I, I want to always take a detour, even if it's a large detour, I want to go and and see that show. You did an interesting job selling that show. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's like if you can brave the weather. Um, you can brave the weather; it's worth it. I promise. So, uh, and you you mentioned that you still like golf. Is that is it something yes. you enjoy watching? I know you mentioned like you'd you'd give anything to go out 
to the driving range, but are, are you someone that still stays active with it or do you just kind of watch it from afar? Um, I, I personally don't play as much as I would like to. And yeah. I think that's more of a time thing than it is, um, a want thing. Right. My daughter, it's actually interesting. My, myself and both of my younger sisters all played at Yoakum in all one state. Um, I have three titles and was named to the all state team my senior year. So it was a pretty big thing for us. And now each one of us have daughters who play. And they play at Shiner High School. My, my daughter goes to Shiner every morning. We live in Quero, and um, my husband coaches in Shiner. So she rides uh, with my husband every morning. She attends Shiner High School. But um, both of my sisters have daughters who are a year older than my daughter. And so all three of them play on the Shiner golf team together. And they actually made school history this past spring. They were... Those three were part of a team that made it to the state tournament for the first time in Shiner High School history. So it's been really, really enjoyable the last couple of years watching our daughters kind of take on the sport that that three of us, it held so much for us. Um, and so I don't get to play as much. We do watch a lot. We watch a tournament during the spring almost every week, you know, watching our daughters. And of course, the Masters and, you know, the British Open and things like that. We love watching them on TV. It's it's kind of fun events for yeah. us to watch. It's something we follow. So I played soccer when I was a kid, you know, growing up. And now my mm -hmm. oldest daughter plays soccer. And for that sport, you know, from the sidelines, you can, <clears throat> not that they want you to, but you can yell and scream and sort of right. loosely <laughs> loosely coach your, your kid based on based right, on no. your knowledge you're probably not allowed to do that in golf i'm assuming cuz it's, at it's all. Okay. Okay. not at all you, not at all and that yourself? is a torturous part <laughs> yeah. where i'm sitting there saying if she would just pull it back a little higher instead yeah. of flatter you know oh she's putting the golf ball too far up in her stance you know right. we're we're not allowed to coach them whatsoever uh, we can you know yes nice yeah. shot we can cl clap politely um do you, do you ever find we, yourself uh, even, like passively, like while you're clapping saying, Hey, uh, you know, try not to pull so much or, you know, <laughs> yeah. wow. If you would have just, you know, <laughs> I, turned yeah. your hips just a more, little bit more to the right. It's more of a proper sport. That's why, you know, right. it's just, uh, a no, it's way. very hard. And even, um, and interesting, the, the coach at Quero high school was actually on the same team as us in high school as well. Oh. So she was one of my teammates and she's actually the one I play director in Shiner as well. And so um, we know her very well. She's allowed, she can go up and talk to the girls during the course of the tournament. So myself and my parents, of course, my parents have been watching us play golf for 20 years now in some form or fashion, whether it was summer golf or high school golf or um, we always have a large caravan of, followers right. it's between myself and my sisters and my brothers-in-law and my parents and aunts and uncles. Sometimes there's always a group of us that are there and we have a chat group going or saying, you know, Brianna got a five on number 13. We have our own scorecards. We can keep track of what everyone's shooting throughout the whole, the whole course simultaneously right. at the same time we know what's going on. Um, but my dad's an excellent golf coach and, and dad can pull Michelle Winkenwater aside the coach and say, you know, Grace is, she's flattened her swing out again. And it's, you know, she, she's, you've got to go tell her. So Michelle will walk over and say, Hey, 
Papa said that your swing has gotten <laughs> flat again. You need to pull it back up. And so we do have ways to communicate yeah. legally to yeah. our children, you know, and it's only one golf coach and nine holes or 18 holes, and, you know, 10 girls spread out all over the place. So she can't be everywhere, right. but she has plenty of eyes, you know, watching each one of these kids to know what's going on. And like I said, we're, we're not golf ignorant. We know what's going on. So we can spot a problem in a spring, uh, in a swing pretty, pretty easily. And so we have ways, there's been times where we have texted Michelle saying, Hey, you need to get over to number nine. Brianna's, you know, lining up wrong or something like that. So, right. and she'll get on her little golf cart and come over there to try and fix the problem real quick. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I do enjoy golf. I'm not very good at it, but, um, you know, I enjoy playing on like my switch. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty good at that. Uh, yeah. so, uh, switching on to sort of the theater side of things, you mentioned that mm -hmm. you grew up in a history and science, a more academia type, uh, household, right. right? Do you think that that ultimately, uh, that sort of almost academic discipline or even the type of background that you had with the history, do you mm -hmm. think that that helped you become a better director so that you, you went about your process a little different than maybe someone that was just completely, uh, you know, theater was ingrained in them at a young age, that kind of thing. Right. So I, I, I do. I think especially the history part of it. Uh, my parents were one wonderful, wonderful parents that made sure we went out and learned. We took lots of vacations and we didn't just, you know, if we went, to the coast. Yes. But we were, I, my God, I can't even tell you how many nights I camped on goose Island with mosquitoes and heat. It's just, you know, we, we went a lot of places, but there was lots of fishing and lots of historical side trips. Um, Washington DC, we hit every historical marker between here and, and DC and back. And I think it really, in that sense, it has shaped very much what kind of director I am. I guess all directors in their own rights are creative. I, I, I have a creative side as well, but when I put a play together, I'm sitting there thinking about that. That costume is not historically correct. She would not be wearing that, you know, kind of hat or that bonnet or that size of skirt. I, that tends to bog me down and I go and watch these incredibly gorgeous, beautiful high school plays and I'm like, ah, oh, I would have never thought to put them in a costume like that because I would have been stuck on making sure that she looked like, you know, she lived in colonial times. You know, it just blows my mind how creative people can get. And that I think is in some ways it might be helpful that I have the right idea of what that time period really, really was like. But I think it's a hindrance because I get so stuck on details about it not being historically correct. Um, I mentioned my over the tavern, my living room on that set was perfect down to the poster of what was in the boys room, the marbles, the toys. I didn't just put any toys out there. I went and found vintage toys from the 1960s. I was born and raised in a Catholic home myself. So I had not just a crucifix, but a crucifix that would have been manufactured and hung in a room, you know, in a living room in 1960s. I, I get really, really careful about my set design and my, my costume design and my looks. If it's somewhat of historical, any kind of, you know, time setting place reference, I want to try and be historical. And I think that's 
it's it's a hindrance sometimes to me. Instead of just making it a general, hey, the boys are wearing, you know, knickers and a vest and let's just go with that. I want to put them in the correct kind of waistcoat with, you know, the correct kind of curvet or something, you know, the girls have to have features. I don't know. I get, I get caught up in a little bit too much. This last, this last one I mentioned sleepy hollow. I tried to loosen up a bit. Um, the play had a lot of movement. Um, we lifted people up. There was lots and lots of movement. There was dancing, there was cheerleading pyramids being done, you know? And so we, I really had to loosen up on the costumes. We had a general color scheme and a general shape, but I did not get, I, I just constantly pulled myself back from over-designing, over-designing, over-designing. And so, yes, the, the history, especially part of me, I, I majored in history. That was my, that was my bachelor's, my, my undergrad. Um, it, I tend to want to honor and be true to the particular time period or the people we are talking about. Um, and then I realized that's my mistake that sometimes you just got to loosen up. And as long as we are, you know, hinting that it's the colonial period or hinting that it's the French revolution, I don't need to get bogged down and making sure the musketeers buttons are exactly right. You know, so it's a hindrance, but also sometimes it's, it's also um, an inspiration. Yeah. as well. Yeah, I get that. I just have to learn how to balance. Yeah, you got to separate yourself. Have you ever considered being a dramaturg, like just, you know, doing the history side of... I would love that. Yeah. I, there's not much of a employment rate, no, no, high no, rate no, to that no, here no, in, no, you know, no. Quero, Texas. Yeah. But maybe one day when the girls have, <laughs> you know, moved on and we're retired that I, I have, and actually I've had someone mention to that to me before. I think it was Lydia Miller Wyatt, someone mentioned it once to me, like, Amy, you would be a great dramaturg. And I was like, yep, there, there's tons of them in Quero. I fit right in yeah, with yeah. all of we, we meet every Thursday at lunch. Start, <laughs> start the society, uh, the Quero right. dramaturg. Yeah. Uh, so uh, why do you think that one act is kind of your thing? And like, uh, when it, because, you know, you weren't raised really that much in the one act world. Mm -hmm. uh, I, you're right. I, I, one act, I hit it, like I said, just once in high school and then really got yeah. pulled into golf, but it was outside of Texas, which was this big giant show on the other side of the state that, you know, outside of Texas, it was my, my entrance into real theater, you know, and I obviously went to see all of the one acts and, and even saw a couple of the neighboring towns one acts. So it was my big introduction into what theater can be. And I see that, you know, working in Yoakum, working in Blanco, now working in Quero, there, there really aren't a whole lot of theater opportunities outside of the Gaslight Theater in Shiner, which does a great job. But one act is it. This is, this is how people see theater in, in these small towns and not just the kids, but aunts and uncles and neighbors and grandmas and everyone that wants you know, to come support their, their, their grandchild or their son or daughter in a show or in anything they do, this is the one type of theater they're going to see. And it's just been extremely formative for so many of these small towns, these small town, not just the students, but like I said, they're, they're moms and dads and neighbors. This is the only way they see theater. This is it. And so what one act play does for Texas students cannot be 
underscored enough is, is, has so important, so important. Um, everybody has football, everybody has baseball, you know, golf is something that you can take with you for the rest of your life. It doesn't matter how old you are. You can go out and put around for nine holes. This stuff is, you know, accessible and we see it all the time, but theater is not very accessible in these small towns and, and one act play is it. And wow, what it does for students, for learning. I have this thing. I'm also a contest manager and I love contest managing. And I think it also has to do with that part of my personality where, you know, just making sure one, two, three, four, A, B, C, D all gets done in order. It's the, the organization type of it that I love. But even as a contest manager, I say this sometimes when I'm introducing things, I was like, our world has become so, so black and white. You're either on this side or you're that side. You're either Democrat or Republican. You're either, you know, this or that. And even in schools and testing the star test, you either passed or you did not. You either, you got this credit or you did not. And, and it's yes or no, black or white, you fall on one side of the fence. And what theater does is create a whole lot of gray and you're allowed to start looking through a perspective or through a point of view that you would never have been exposed to in any other way, especially in these smaller towns. And you're allowed to think a certain way and be someone else for a little bit and understand what it's like to walk in someone else's shoes, uh, to put the cliche so on point. But theater really allows not just the students, like I said, but town members and, and community supporters as well to get a little gray in their life and see that it's the wider world. We have to move out of this black and white to exist. And communication is so important and, and theater and allowing all of us, some of this gray really, really helps this communication. The, these kids all of a sudden have, even though they don't agree with it, they understand now someone else's perspective. And even though they might not have been raised that way, they understand someone else's point of view. And it's, it's the only gray these kids get exposed to in some of these small towns is one act play. And so I am ride or die UIL one act, one act play. That is, I just love it. It is what it has done cannot be cannot be overstated how important it is for these small towns. Minor wisdom.